Welcome back to the Thermodiet Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Miller, and I'm here with my co-host, Mr. Tyler Woodward. How are we doing today, Jaden? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Awesome. Today, we are talking about how to be your own scientist and experiment with different things um, without getting overwhelmed and uh, messing up along the way so your data is not usable. Exactly. So as part of the thermo journey, I think, and any of these, you know, relative fringe diets that are quote unquote extreme, although I wouldn't consider extreme, I'd consider logical, uh, you got to do some experimentation, right? So what feels good? And I think we also have to recognize that what might feel good right now may not feel good in the future or vice versa. It might feel bad right now, like going high carb if you were in a very insulin resistant state, going to feel bad for you right now. 20 couple of years from now, when you're in a much healthier state, carbs might be the perfect fuel for you. I think that it's very important to re- to remain open-minded to different ideas mm-hmm. and question everything, no matter what it is. Like, don't take anything at face value from anybody, um, you know, unless it's us, obviously. <laughs> um, don't take anything for face value. Always experiment yourself. Always see what works best for you, um, you know. Everybody's an individual and everybody's a little bit different. They're going to have different preferences. They're going to have things that work a little bit better for them than things that work for us. Everything that we say is a recommendation Mm -hmm. and something to think about. I wouldn't take it as black and white because nothing is ever black and white. Everything is a spectrum. Um, So, yeah, make sure to make it suit you. And I think it's very important to compartmentalize. I think like one of the beauties of social media right, is that you can see hundreds of thousands of other people's mistakes that they made and learn from their experiences and also like their experience with coaching people and what worked for them. But I think it's very important to compartmentalize like things that we say, or like I make sure to do with Ray Pete, especially, you know, most time he ends up being right, but it's not my experience, right? Like, and he thinks in a certain way. And I, I think I try to think back, Oh, like I heard Ray say that that makes a lot of sense to me in this context versus just saying like, Oh, what Ray said is true. What Jayton and Tyler said is word of God. And it's a fact like we're going to be wrong. We've been wrong. We'll be wrong again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't be afraid to remain open-minded. Um, and you know, question everything always, um, always make sure that there is a why to something. Um, if someone can explain why for something, then they probably don't have good enough knowledge to be recommending it in the first place. If someone says something is good or bad outright, they are wrong. Mm-hmm. Pretty much almost always times, always context that needs to be filled in. There's always going to be, even for omega threes, which I would say are pretty close to being quote unquote bad. There are times where our, our body, well, our body might need them for like things like DHA, which I think is an interesting subject, but also things like they are literally medicinal in terms of you need them for organ um, transplants mm-hmm. to help reduce the immune system. So there's always context that things are quote unquote good in, and things are quote unquote bad in. Um, so trying to oversimplify it is just a, a nightmare. Right. Definitely. I completely agree. So, um, in saying this, um, some of the things that we recommend doing whenever you are questioning everything and, um, experimenting with things yourself is to make sure that you're only experimenting with one variable at a time. Um, I noticed that especially whenever I was first getting into supplements, I would try like five or six new supplements at a time and just go haywire with them. And then I would get a certain effect and I wouldn't know which supplement it was coming from. Mm. So it's very important to adjust one variable at a time whenever you're testing something. So whether that is, you know, doing something new for your sleep, 
exercising in a different way, trying new supplements, trying different kinds of foods and stuff like that. Make sure that there is only one variable in those areas or honestly in the overall picture um, to make sure that you're not getting information from something that shouldn't be there. Yeah, confounding data. So generally when we run an experiment, right, you have a control group, which is like, you know, typically these rats and then you'll have they on a control diet, which is pretty standardized. It's like some like 75 percent carbs and like 10 percent fat and like 15 percent protein or something like that. And then you might like say, all right, let's test what a high carb diet is and do 90 percent carbs, 5 percent fat, 5 percent. So you have a control group, which is the standard. And then you have maybe a couple of variations. And what Jayden said is completely right. Uh, I don't necessarily think you need to only do one supplement at a time, but like you only want to change one thing in your routine. Mm -hmm. So if I'm always taking magnesium and I decide to say, you know, what, I'm going to mess around with daily K, see how that feels. That's not really, I mean, it's, it's slightly confounding because I, I might experience different effects whether or not I was on magnesium, but it, it's not that I need to take, go off magnesium to see if I experience beneficial effects from the daily K. Make sure that your baseline remains remains consistent throughout the entire process. Yeah, so exactly. um, if you're going to start tracking something today and you're taking magnesium, then don't stop taking magnesium tomorrow whenever you start taking vitamin K because your baseline is different mm. between those two times. Um, so you're going to feel a little bit different and you might have different effects. Like um, if you stop taking magnesium and you start taking vitamin K, then there might be something that happens from the lack of magnesium that is not beneficial and you might mistake it for the vitamin K. Um, so it's important to make sure that whatever your baseline is, whenever you start, you maintain that consistently throughout the entire duration of the experimentation. hundred percent. And I think that leads to a great point that you want to track the results in some way even if it's just like writing a simple note down or like, like maybe just, you know, keeping some somewhat of a log, you don't have to be that diligent with it. But a lot of times with a lot of supplements, like some, some of them you feel right away and you're like, like, uh, like we've taken a couple of B vitamin complexes that were like, all right, I feel good in this, like kind of feel it instantly. There's other things where it's like, you know, this takes kind of like months to feel. And there's other things where it's like, you don't feel it until you stop taking it. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, damn, this is making huge difference. Um, so those are all things like we're all different. We're all in a different place metabolically. Like we have all our own different contexts that we're in. It's just because Jayton tries Sheila Jeet and says this is the greatest thing that ever happened. And um, I might not feel anything, but I might go to my, get my testosterone tested before and start. I might have had 300 point difference, my testosterone. Like, And, you know, it, it might, if that doesn't make a difference for me, if it, I don't feel any better, maybe it's not that big of a deal. Maybe I'm just like, oh, this is making a huge difference. You know, things like that. Um, and having some sort of test as well was a huge, uh, huge thing that you can do to improve your, you know, experiment, your science. Definitely. For sure. Um, so what does it actually look like whenever we begin this experimentation? Like, um, what are all the things that we would, in an ideal scenario, track? What are all the things that we shouldn't do and stuff like that? I mean, the more data you can get, the better. Um, so... Obviously getting a blood lab. I mean, it also depends on what you're going for. So um, we know there are certain principles, right? Like if you eat less than you burn, you're going to lose fat. Um, and then maybe you could take like, you could try Zuber and see if you lose fat at a faster rate. But again, that's like kind of confounding. So what you're looking for is to get as much data as you can. So let's say your goal is to improve sleep, getting some kind of sleep tracker. 
uh, or at the minimum, so there's quantitative and qualitative data, right? So there's qualitative. I took daily magnesium last night. I slept great. Took it for a week. I felt great versus I got eight hours of sleep. 68% of it was REM sleep. 32% was uh, non-REM deep sleep, blah, 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 where you can have actual quantitative metrics and track that over time and compare the, that is obviously the gold standard. A um, lot of work to do that. Mm-hmm. It, so unless you have an app and even then the app, like you don't necessarily want to be sleeping with your phone by your head. So you got to make those kind of decisions. Another things you can track. So heart rate variability, something I would like to look into a little bit more is great for, I think overall health, probably one of besides oh, body temperature is another great one on uh, those are two good metrics that you don't really need. They're not very invasive that you can do it with pretty much your phone mm-hmm. or a thermometer um, that are great things to track. Um, and then obviously blood tests, like you could do thyroid panel, blood markers, lip, blood lipids, testosterone, estrogen, SHBG. So um, what you test for largely is going to be dependent on what you're trying to improve. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I would say generally in an ideal scenario, if you're going to track as much as you possibly can, like this is like Jake minor level tracking right here. Um, you know, your weight first thing, whenever you wake up post, you know, urination in the morning or whatever, um, make that consistent. So your weight first thing in the morning, um, I would track your, uh, like your hunger levels and your mood on a consistent basis, whether you have some kind of rating scale for that, um, or if it's just like a little blurb that you put into a journal or something like that, like keep track of that somehow. Um, how many times you go to the bathroom a day, like that could be something, you know, keeping track of whether or not something is constipating you or making you go to the bathroom way too many times. Or if it's hard or not. <laughs> right. Right. Um, you know, your sleep is a good thing to track, whether it's, um, simply rating how well you slept and or how, how well you feel whenever you wake up or, um, you know, taking note of you didn't sleep that well and you didn't get that much sleep. Um, stuff like that is going to be very beneficial. I think tracking your exercise is really good too. Like it's not, may not, you might not be trying to like directly improve your exercise performance, but like if you went from PRing every like week or two who to you haven't PR in months or you're PRing consistently and like weight is just moving like hell. Those are good signs that I'll be indirect potentially that this supplement routine or is having beneficial effects in your recovery or your energy levels, things like that. Libido is another good Ooh. thing to track. Like that's something that is intimately tied to every area of your health. Um, most of these things are intimately tied to every area of your health. So um, they're going to give you good indications for just about anything. Anything else? Uh, I also think it's important to have expectations. So if your goal is to lose 20, 30 pounds of fat, you are going to, your sleep is probably going to suffer. You want to keep that as optimal as you can, but your libido is definitely going to suffer. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is a consequence. And at some point you might be like, all right, this is no longer worth it. Let me maintain and maybe I'll try and lose some later. Maybe I'll gain some muscle and try to just, you know, relatively do some recomp. But there are certain metrics that we know is going to suffer. You have to have like a, almost like a margin of error or like a margin of acceptance where it's like, I'm willing to let it get to this bad. I'm not willing to let it ruin my life. Mm-hmm. Or maybe if you're a bodybuilder and getting ready for that show, you are going to let it ruin your life. So mm-hmm. uh, we all got to make decisions. But at that point, it is your life. Yeah. You know, that's everything that you're living for at that point. Um, yeah. I would say it's also relative to like um, 
you know, if you have 20 pounds of fat to lose, you're probably not going to really see a lot of those detriments to like the last five or 10 pounds that come off. Like the first 10 pounds are probably going to come off pretty easy and they're probably not really going to affect all that mm-hmm. much. Um, but then like, as you slowly start t- tapering down in weight, um, you'll probably start to slowly see effects in different areas of your life for mm-hmm. sure. A couple that we may have missed cravings. Um, yeah. if you're craving certain foods or maybe like even just like hunger t- levels, hunger levels. You said that I think blood sugar and uh, blood pressure, mm. I think are also great measures. Blood sugar is a little bit harder to measure. I mean, blood pressure is not exactly easy, but you could probably do pulse rate and see what your resting heart rate is and throughout the day and do the things like that where it's not a huge deal. Um, or get some like a whoop or a, what's the other one or a ring or a ring. Those are pretty cool as well. And they track a ton of things. The new Apple watch also looks pretty crazy. Um, that's going to be expensive though. Um, there's a lot of things that you can do to see how things are affecting you. And while I do think qualitative data, like I felt good, this slept, I slept well is great. It's never going to give you the accuracy as doing a thorough quantitative analysis. Mm-hmm. Definitely for sure. Yeah. And also like there are some things where, you know, or I feel like sometimes some people get caught up in the quantitative data. Mm -hmm. Like that's all that they live by for a long time. There's experiments that you can run for certain things where it's just like, it can be qualitative data purely, but depending on what you're trying to achieve, um, the quantitative data is going to be a necessity, um, depending on who you are and Mm -hmm. what your goals are and stuff like that. Yeah. I think, uh, we were talking about this yesterday a little bit, like biochemistry or chemistry is to nutrition what physics is to lifting Mm -hmm. like there are general principles that we can use and i think uh facades or page are always talking about it like these are going to have the highest predictive power of what's going to become true so like the example i gave yesterday uh is that according to like emg studies which measures the activation of a muscle group the lateral delt is really active in presses on like, like a shoulder press but I would guarantee if we like did a longevity study, like where with control groups, you would see significantly more growth in doing like cable lateral raise or lateral raise where the resistance is directly lined up with lateral delt versus a press where it's mostly in the front delt because uh, the tension is going to place in that muscle group. I would bet my ass on it that you're going to see better results with the lateral raise group in the lateral delt because the physics kind of define that. Mm-hmm. Uh, could I be wrong? For sure. We're always going to be. You know, you never know for anything. There's always explanations that we don't know the answers to. Um, but generally the same thing, like a lot of people think omega threes are this hard, healthy, this thing. And when you look at the chemistry, like it's pretty simple. They tend to oxidize under heat and light. And we just tend to have way too much of them today. I would say also whenever it comes to quantitative data, um, like you can track qualitative things in a quantitative way. So like you can have a rating scale for your mood that day for your hunger levels that day for how your libido was that day. And then I would recommend since we have the luxury of technology in our world today, um, using a spreadsheet to plug all of that stuff into, and then putting that on like some kind of, uh, charts so you can track it and Mm -hmm. like see it visually of what these numbers actually mean. I've tracked stuff a lot, both digitally and, um, not digitally, just like in a notebook and stuff. And I noticed that, um, it's not as impactful whenever it's not digital and I can't visually see it Mm. on a chart or something. That's interesting. Yeah. I could see that. 
I was trying to think word of what was the non-digital form, but I can't think of it. Yeah, I, I have the word in, on the tip of my tongue, but I couldn't think of it. So I just moved on. Yeah. I mean, being able to see the averages and change, I mean, that's the most av- like accurate thing you can do, right? Looking at the averages over time. So like one thing I think is very important, um, we talk about weight loss, right? I think weighing yourself every day is very important, but I think caring about your scale weight every day is almost like ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like if you can take the weekly or bi-weekly or even monthly averages and seeing a trend, like we're looking for trends here. That I think that's a big thing that we haven't really, we alluded to maybe, but we didn't discuss. Like you want to see general increases over time. You don't need every day. Like every day you're going to be hungry. Maybe some days you have poor libido. Like it's a natural thing. We're all, you know, we all have our own basically like menstrual cycle. Some women obviously have a menstrual cycle, but like men have hormonal fluctuations on a monthly basis too. Um, although less so like that, we're all like every day is going to be the same. So we want to see general trends over time, improving the outcomes that we're looking for. Those trends can either be very informative or make no sense whatsoever. And then whenever that happens, you know, either you did something wrong, you tracked it mm-hmm. incorrectly, or um, there was a variable in there that you didn't take into consideration or, um, you know, yeah, some kind of confounding yeah. variable. Yeah. Yeah. And also sometimes like, you can expect one thing to happen and the opposite happens and that can be extremely informative too. Mm-hmm. Also, I think another thing that's important is timing. Um, you want to set a amount of time for an experiment. Um, all experiments are obviously controlled. They always set it like, like, usually it's like two months is like the minimum, I think eight weeks. Sometimes you just, just see four and six week studies too. But the longer the study, obviously the better, the more data you can collect. Um, you might, if you feel like shit supplementing daily K, which uh, you won't, it's a great supplement, but mm-hmm. uh, you probably aren't going to want to continue for eight weeks. But if you have one shit day where you take daily K the first time, you're like, I feel like crap. Good chance that it wasn't daily K. Very possible it was, you know, maybe you have an allergic reaction or whatever. Also just, you know, if they're on daily K, they're probably not allergic to it. But, um, you need to like set a period of time that you like to do this experiment for and see how you feel. And there's another way you compare the beginning compared to the end and all those trends between. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, I had one more thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, oh, so uh, using the power of like predictive analysis, we talked about biochemistry and like the physics, right? Um, for weightlifting. If let's say like you were on a carnivore diet, we can make a guess that you're going to be very insulin resistant. You're not going to handle carbs very well, right? So you might need an increased amount of the B vitamins to be able to process those carbs well. If you were on a vegan diet, you probably need some good quality protein and, you know, retinol, animal vitamin A, all those things. Like we can make guesses or like, let's say you never eat seafood um, or maybe you're deficient in zinc or selenium or iodine. So there's certain guesses that we can make that will have predictive analysis on what will make a difference in you. Mm-hmm. Those predictive analysis can always be wrong, but they give you a good place to start your thought process from. Yeah. And, you know, most of the things that we recommend in those cases are things that are historically what has happened and what has helped people. Um, so like, you know, someone who has been vegan for a long time probably has very low amounts of stomach acid. So supplementing with a little bit of betaine HCL, maybe some black pepper fruit extract, um, stuff like that is going to be very beneficial to increase the amount of stomach acid that you have. Um, or like if you're insulin resistant because you haven't eaten any carbs in a long time, um, you know, decreasing the amount of fat that you're intaking, um, and replacing that with some carbs and, um, you know, maybe keeping protein around the same for a little bit. 
uh, is going to be beneficial as well. And also like, um, whenever you're transitioning from a vegan diet into meat, like finding proteins that are going to be very easy to digest and aren't super heavy and hard on the stomach, um, or finding, um, carbs that are going to be very easy on the insulin, insulinogenic response. Um, had trouble getting that one out. Um, and stuff like that is like, there's considerations for everything. Um, and there's his, always look at historical data for stuff and, and, um, use that and then make your own conclusion. And within that, I think using your own historical data, like, so Jane was talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, that people that don't eat carbs are going to be very insulin resistant. Um, send another example is like caffeine. So when you start drinking coffee, um, some people some people love it. Some people can't drink it. Gives them the jitters, anxious, blah, blah, blah. A great test of your metabolic rate can be how you process um, coffee. So when I was eating a lot a couple months ago, I could drink coffee. At literally one point, I could drink coffee at like 6 p.m., go to jiu-jitsu, sleep, no problems. Now I'm drinking coffee at like 12, and I think it might be keeping me up at night. So um, that's just my individual history, my context changing. Um, when I start gaining weight again or get back to maintenance, eating a lot more food, uh, will it will likely change again. So just because something doesn't work for you right now doesn't mean it won't work in the future, but it is worth noting in both cases. Right. And also the opposite is true too. Something that worked in the past might not work now because um, you're a different person. You're not the same person who you were. There could be different variables into play. Um, you know, you could have higher amounts of stress. You could have lower amounts of stress. You could have the same amount of stress, but in a different environment, you know, which is going to make a difference. Um, Eating patterns might be different. I was reading a little bit about bioindividuality, and I like that word, <laughs> but I also don't really like the concept because we all we are all different, but like it is like very, very, very small. Our differences between us like are mostly in our cont contextuality, right? Like your family, what they eat, um, where they grew up, all of that stuff, like the microbes you were exposed to. Like there's very tiny differences in our genes that do add up, do make differences. But at the end of the day, all of our cells use the same vitamins same minerals. They do the same energy processes. Like there are slight nuanced differences between them. Like maybe some people really have a hard time making vitamin D from the sun and cholesterol. Maybe it's because they're deficient in magnesium. Maybe it's because of a genetic thing. But at the end of the day, like most of us are going to be very, very similar. Um, how something affects you is largely, and not always that there are genetic variables, but largely dependent on your individual context. Mm -hmm. So um, as Jade was saying, and I was saying a little bit like Things might work for you right now that won't work in the future and vice versa might be slightly because of your genetics might be because of where you are in your health journey and all that, what nutrients you're deficient in, or you have too much in all that stuff, just something to keep in mind. And also it's like, don't write off like people, everyone's looking for this miracle pill and it might be for someone. It might not be for you. Maybe like uh, cod liver oil is a good one. Like some people are very, very deficient in retinol. So cod liver oil and liver is great. He, some people start taking that and maybe they, they have excess retinol and they don't need it. So, and maybe down the line, cod liver will be great for you. You know, things like that. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe without the poofas, but. Yeah. And I also think that it's worth kind of, um, if you are not aware of what your baseline is, finding out what your baseline is and, and not wasting your time on experimenting with something that you don't need to experiment with. Like if you have sufficient levels of vitamin A, you don't have any reason to, experiment with supplements for vitamin A, right? Yeah. If your vitamin D levels are sufficient, there's no reason to supplement with extra vitamin D unless you have a hunch that super physiological 
doses of vitamin D do a certain thing and you want to see what that is. But for the most part, like don't experiment with things that you don't need to. Um, and then like, if there is something like ashwagandha, for instance, um, ashwagandha affects a lot of different things. Um, testosterone, prolactin, serotonin, all kinds of stuff. Um, so see if, if you're going to use something for a specific purpose, uh, it might be worth tracking everything that it affects too, just to make sure like, yeah, uh, ashwagandha might lower your serotonin, but what if it has a bad effect on, I don't know. Dopamine. Yeah. Something like that. Um, it can throw something else out of whack. So it's always worth, um, tracking as much as you can and seeing where you're at and making sure that you're not supplementing with something that for no reason, mm-hmm. kind of like waste of time, waste of money. Um, yeah. not really worth it. Yeah. If you can get in like a new micronutrient test, see your baseline, like hair tissue, mineral analysis, some of that. And then maybe if you want to go into a genetics test and see what mutations you have that maybe make you more inclined to have to animate, need more methylator or something like that, that's going to give you a great picture. Um, I just want to say like, if you are going to do a more extreme experiment, especially with supplements, I think like, I mean, you can definitely mess yourself up with crazy diets too, but it's going to be like more gradual and maybe you'll see the effects more quickly versus like a supplement you can really hurt yourself with. And I was listening to Mike Isertel, who's a big bodybuilder and basically like he's on a lot of steroids admittedly. And he's like, I need to, I will only go to the certain health parameters there's like the amount of testosterone he uses based off how healthy he can keep his heart, like all these lipid, these markers and tests in check. So if you're going to do like something like a mega dosing or, you know, steroids, which I don't recommend doing, obviously make sure you are getting some, you know, real health information on your body in your current state of health. Not only is like for the point of being your own scientist, but also to make sure like this is safe and this is okay. And you're not doing any long-term damage. Cause the last thing you want to find out is that, you're mega dosing a bottle of vitamin D a day and then you calcified all your, all your arteries. So now you have to mega dose vitamin K2 to decalcify them. And then I don't know, you you deplete yourself of retinol. It, it just, uh, everything has a chain effect, right? So like vitamin D can deplete A, um, A can deplete, I don't know, or PUFAs deplete vitamin E, things like that. Like with, it's all a big chain. Everything's connected to one another. So you want to make sure you're not going crazy on the extremes and if you are going to be just make sure you're being careful with it some of the stuff is worth getting professional help with like um if you're not that good of a scientist but you still want to experiment with stuff like find a professional who can help you um with some experience with some experience uh there's plenty of people in the bioenergetic sphere who have a lot of experience who have helped a lot of people um that are worth reaching out to danny roddy is one mm-hmm. you know Georgie. I, like a, I don't I like, know if Georgie coaches, but yeah, I like a real food, Josh Rubin, real yeah. food gangsters, him yeah. and his wife seem really cool. Yeah. They're OGs. They've been doing it for over 20 years yeah. now. Like they're awesome. And what you're going to see with those people is like, they're trying to, they're trying to improve quantitative metrics. Like they're just going to say like, Oh, we want to get your vitamin D levels up from 23 nanograms per deciliter to 60. They want, or like cholesterol from here to here. Like they are looking, they have very set goals based on the data that they've gathered. Most professionals, I would say that people in the bioenergetic community tend to be a little bit more holistic in their approach. Um, but yeah, I would definitely keep an eye out for the professionals who do do that because, um, the holistic approach is going to be the most sustainable and the safest in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Katie's another one. Katie's another one. Mm -hmm. Libby. Libby. Um, Jay Feldman. Lauren Dela Cruz. 
don't know who that is, but I'm sure she's yeah. great. Um, innate nutrition. Oh, innate functional nutrition. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. she's really cool. Mm-hmm. Wild down. There's a ton of great people out there that all have had their experiences. And if we didn't name you, I'm sorry. Teresa Paella is another. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. What's her Instagram? Living Roots Wellness. Living Roots Wellness. The goat. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great people out there, especially in this community. Just reach out to them and, and, and ask them questions. Also, uh, as a note, just, you know, remember that like they're not being paid to answer your questions for free. So I think one of the things you, if you want to become an expert in anything or learn something, at some point you're gonna have to pay for mm-hmm. their services. And that's just, you know, they've taken their time to learn and it's only of, of value to, to you to pay for them and ret- almost return that favor. But you know, everyone has to make their money somehow. And also you're going to learn a lot faster in that process. You're going to learn a lot of things that would have taken you a lot longer to learn. Um, and you'll most likely see results a lot quicker too. 100%. You can only learn. So, I mean, you can learn a lot from, and I learned this for a while, like from Instagram tidbits, but when you take the tidbits and you don't have the principles behind them, like it's almost impossible to connect everything together, which is why like I'm really bad about it. But I kind of do it on purpose where I don't write a lot of things down. Cause my opinion, like if I'm going to remember it, I need to learn the principle. Mm-hmm. And if I learn the principle, I'm not going to forget it. Mm-hmm. it but like it, learning that, like, I don't know, uh, 200 milligrams of zinc causes a reduction in copper. It's like, Oh no, zinc, copper, seesaw relationship, right? Like principles always easy to remember, always easier to integrate than, you know, minute facts and things like that. Definitely. For sure. Yeah. Definitely ha- make sure that you have your foundational knowledge covered mm-hmm. for sure. And that your coach is a principle based coach. Yes. hundred percent. This is not medical advice, by the way. So if you're going to do an experiment, make sure to check with your doctor and uh, shout out steak miner. Yeah. Steak the Jake miner. The goat experimenter. Mm-hmm. You have a good one and we'll talk to y'all soon. Peace.